Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we don't know the first goddamn thing about what anime might have been available to Americans in the mid-80s. And it'll show. On today's episode, we'll be discussing Teenagers in Space, the game of trying to make out with sexy aliens while still making it to class on time, which honestly is most games if you're doing it right. It's System Mastery. everyone welcome to system mastery it's teenagers from outer space not in space we did teens in space mm-hmm, it's a different mm-hmm. game a new yeah. game this is teenagers from outer space an old ass game a very old game yes you're right you got you got me there uh, i'm conflating games because there's been at least a couple of games about teens in space teens in space and, and not even one game as far as i can tell yet about pigs in space which is a, Come on. a crying shame <laughs> Come on. So you got me. We'll correct that. Why well, we won't. We just won't. It's fine. It just won't happen. It'll just sit there like a testament to my failure. <laughs> ah, yes. Just like everything <laughs> else I've built in this world. I was going to say, oh, like the rest of your life. <laughs> so so on that positive note, we've got a, uh, got a, a, a uh, something we haven't done in a while. A, uh, I don't even remember what we call our ads. We've got an announcement a, mastery. Announcement mastery. Thank you. Yes. Because uh, because of the network's uh, name for them, the the radvertisement. I think the the rest of the network calls these. Yeah, uh, the people who purchased that one purchased it as a radvertisement, which I am I am very unfamiliar with. I, I I consider I usually go by announcement masteries, which is fine. Yeah, and that's what it is here in God's country. <laughs> that's what we are. That's what I call this garage. <laughs> God's country that he doesn't go to. <laughs> I've got a big plaque up that says God's country. <laughs> so right when you come in the garage, you know you shouldn't be in here. <laughs> so uh, anyway, let me get started here. I'm not sure how to pronounce this. I'm going to guess it's either Inc. or Incorporated, but it's Inc. I-N-C, the podcast, is a brand, brand new sci-fi office comedy brought to you by Wolf Mountain Workshop and coming to wherever you get your podcasts. Bethany and Jonas are two pencil-pushing aliens living and working on a company ship, so you know they're going to make a really good podcast. Hell yeah. Yeah, that's, that sounds great. I assume this is discussional and not a story. Yes, obviously. Yeah, definitely not an AP. Uh, that incorporates whole planets by the dozen, tasked with organizing all of the data that is recovered from said planets. They get through the endless days by occasionally adding meaningful stories that they discover to the extraneous but interesting folder all the while navigating the complex web that is friendship and life in this corpo-futuristic nightmare. A science fiction podcast where Douglas Adams meets The Office. I think that'd go a little something. Oh, like I do is. <laughs> what? <laughs> Say what? <laughs> where Severance and Mad Men meet Robert Heinlein. Yeah, except the only sad thing is in a podcast form, you can't turn to camera. <laughs> It's so sad. <laughs> that's very sad. Because normally that's what Heinlein was always doing. Exactly. Most fam- yeah, Stranger in a Strange Land is all about turning to camera. <laughs> you know how you'd be reading one of those Heinlein stories, and then it would be like, and so-and-so turned to camera knowingly. These two sex-starved alien women identify the differences between them. <laughs> They're the same alien. 
Uh, I mean, I think they're normally humans. I, the only Heinlein novel I remember having read personally it went very deep into panty stuff right away. That might have been an outlier. Like, it's not like I've read Star Oh, wait a minute. That was Piers Anthony. <laughs> no, that was also bad, though. <laughs> and unfortunately, I read way more than one Piers Anthony novel. Baby, I read too many Piers Anthony novels. <laughs> and by that, I mean like four. <laughs> Uh, get back to it here. Our episodes are fully voice acted, packed with original music, and stuffed with stories gathered across a universe this company is slowly eating for its natural resources. Inc. the podcast released their first three episodes on January 16th, so there's already plenty of content to get you started on Bethany and Jonas's world. I like doing that, by the way. That's what we did, too. We didn't tell anybody we had a podcast until we had made a bunch of episodes. Yeah, get some content. Get content out there first. That's the, that's a really good plan. I, I, I Solid thumbs up. Uh, new episodes are released every other Monday. You can follow us on our social media at Inc. The Podcast. That's I-N-C, The Podcast, all lowercase, all the time, or on our website, inkthepodcast.buzzsprout.com. Happiness is productivity. Productivity is happiness. Nice. Yeah, that sounds cool. All so right. That's a great idea for... A, I'm, I'm picturing something a little bit in the vein of, like, um, Welcome to the Magic Tavern, where it's an AP, but, but it's a very discussion eap maybe people are just playing characters but mostly they sit around discussing things uh, it's a great way to get an ap without necessarily having to really build a bunch of rules and so on so sounds I mean, cool to me being able to just sort of like improv alien worlds and what was going on there exactly great. it's a great idea all for it if you would like your own uh <laughs> advertisement or announcement mastery there's a button on our website systemmasterypodcast.com 75 bucks will buy you an ad and hey let me tell you something folks we would far prefer you buy ads than from us than from through us. advertisements. Or, or no. Fuck those guys. <laughs> no, of course not. Please support the rest of the network. <laughs> I meant I meant to say we would rather do these ads than have to run the the, the megaphone ads that we normally do. Yes, indeed. And so as, as a treat, we're gonna cut the middle ad this episode. It's just gonna be this this uh, announcement mastery and then that post ad. Yeah. Because we make more money this way and we're happier telling you about things that you might actually care about. And there you we, go. And that we hope you will. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, would you like to get started on the episode proper? Yeah, let's get back to the actual show. Hey, it's, it's the episode. Hey, hi there. Hey, if you're wondering why John's doing all the lead-ins, it's because my computer exploded. Yeah. And uh, although I got another one, I had to use a new fork of Audacity, which is some horse shit. Yeah. Hate it. It's like one of those little tiny shrimp forks and it sucks yeah i don't know what's even going on with it the new one makes our voices sound hollow like like we're recording without our mics or something it's very weird yeah. and we don't know why it's doing that so everything's going through my computer which is literally the exact same computer that jeff has yeah. except mine doesn't explode randomly well and also yours doesn't have a yours has an older audacity version on it if there's one thing ask any podcaster who uses audacity and they'll all tell you that the worst thing that audacity could ever do is update Oh, yeah. Just don't do it. No, this is like a three-year-old version of Audacity yeah. that I have never touched, and <laughs> that, I won't. That's the good shit. It's like laying in wine for, for a, a, a 30 or 40 years. Oh, yeah. This is this is like a well-seasoned pan yeah. here. Yeah, it's uh, it's perfect. So so uh, I'm a little jealous. I'll have to see if I can't find a way to steal your fork. Maybe you still have the install folder on there that we can you can shoot over to me, and we'll get right back to business. But hey, why don't we talk about Teenagers from Outer Space? A Mike Pondsmith role-playing game that is way older than you'd think for an anime RPG. Oh, yeah. I mean, even this version 
is I think the second edition of this game, which was from 1997. Okay, but so the original one was like 89. So so let me go through this first edition of this, the very first printing, 87. Second edition, 89. This is second edition again, but with a revision, a couple of revisions, and I think the uh, the bonus sheets at the back were added. Hmm. Uh, so this is technically the 89 version. It's just been reprinted in 97 with a couple of like author notes here and there. Wow. So 87 is when this was first wrote, written. And you can really tell because some of the, uh, this is a weird thing. This is very much like playing harem anime or, or high school type anime from the mid eighties. Uh, but we don't have the current collection of jokes and tropes and understandings and expectations of anime that have just become part of the zeitgeist of nerddom. It's interesting to see something that's like, oh, this is about being a comedy anime game. Yes. And the assumptions of what that means, because when they're like, oh, yeah, it's just any comedy anime that you saw, you know, in 1987. And you're like, all right, so Ronma one half and... That's it. <laughs> yeah, or say Yatsura, uh, I don't know. I, I have no idea what else was around at that point. But the, the fact that this is just like, oh yeah, if you're doing a comedy anime thing, clearly it's about teenagers that come to Earth and then they have wacky adventures. And you're like, that's a very weird thing to assume all of them are. <laughs> There's a couple references here and there. Like, if you look at the art really closely, you will spot a character wearing a lum shirt at, at one point throughout the book, which means, yeah, Urus I think it's Urusei Yatsura. Please don't get mad at me if I don't remember your favorite animes or favorite extremely elderly animes. Uh, <laughs> this this game came out when I was seven. Yeah. And I got all you, those anime boomers out there. Yeah. <laughs> the anime I was watching when I was seven was the fucking Smurfs. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, so I, I don't, I don't know what's going on here. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's neat. It's just neat to see, uh, the, the stuff that you, like, you can see the same material that modern anime jokes and tropes are made from, but they've been pulled in a wildly different direction because there was so much less available at the time and so much less understanding uh, yeah. of what, of what it was. It's, it's neat. It's, it's really interesting to read. Is it fun to play? I, it's a comedy game. It's, it's a big collection of jokey jokes. Uh, and you know that we normally don't have the brightest opinions of those. I will say that this game manages to not get in its own way when it's doing this. Like, a yeah. lot of comedy games are just tripping over their own dick to try and tell you what the joke is. Yes, they want they want to do the jokes before you can, and I think they assume that you would like to maybe repeat these jokes. Yeah, they're like, oh, we're going to tell you what the jokes are, and then you can say them at your table. And... This doesn't do that, which Much. I like. Yeah. There's a couple instances where it's like, oh, here's suggestions for things you might do. Yeah. But instead of having like a list of, say, you know, like, oh, you, this is the skill of slap a little guy around. And you're like, I don't want to put three points into slap a little guy around. Come on, <laughs> game. Don't make me say that. No, instead, I mean, it has that. You can put three points. You could literally use this game to put three points into slap a little guy around. Uh, and there is a list of other things, which will in, in, you know include things like dress like a million bucks or or uh, have a killer smile or whatever. Um, you, it's it's uh, kind of this game's skill system, which is just called, I think, Knacks. Yeah, but it's all stuff you make up. It's improvisational, but it does come with a sidebar. This game mostly relegates the worst offenders of the doing the joke for you to the sidebars, and then 
also to the sample characters that are scattered throughout it. Yeah, so, you know, instead of it being like, this is the hard and fast skills that you have and you need to put points in them, the fact that it's like, here's some suggestions, but literally everything is just you make up whatever you want to, I'm like, oh, good. So I don't have to be like, all right, I guess I put four points into skedaddle in a way. Yeah, yeah, to hit the swing, big, nasty, pointy thing. Yeah. D- none of that. Just, uh, just the, you make up your own knacks, so if you want them to be jokety-jokety, then you absolutely can, but at least you're the one doing it. Yes. At least then you're like, ah, but this is specifically tailored to whatever I'm doing for this character, so it's not quite like... Well, this is the same joke regardless of whatever I make. Everyone has the exact same jokey nonsense. Yeah, like a lot of these, we, we've talked about a lot of comedy games over the years. And generally, just to get this out of the way, because it's it's kind of our, our de facto that you, this, this is what you have to not do to win us over with a comedy game. Uh, you, you look at stuff like neither of us particularly cared for human occupied landfill because it was more like reading a Berkeley Breathed comic than it was like reading a role playing game. Because by the time you were done reading, you're like, I got it. I got your post-apocalyptic world set. I know all your characters, and there's no character creation, so I got to play as one. And uh, I, I already heard all the jokes. Thanks. Thanks. Great job of writing them down. I felt like I read way too long of a Mad Magazine. <laughs> yeah. So you got to not do that. And I, I would say this game passes that test. Oh, yeah. And it's so simplistic as well. Oh, yeah. As far as rules, systems, character creation, and everything, that it definitely feels like the kind of game that in order to get humor out of it, you're like, look, it's low stakes, both as far as like how much you need to invest in order to do the game Mm -hmm. and how much your character needs to do. Like there's, you can't die in this game in the same way that like tune Tune has. It's got that same mindset where uh, you, you don't die, but instead you just sit out, play for a couple of minutes and then come right back in. Uh, and, And they've got it. They, one thing I, I would laud this game for is explaining the decisions a lot of the time. Where, like, why can't you die in this game? Because that's not funny. Yeah. And this is comedy anime. If you want to play Ninja Scroll, here's here's our recommended reading list. <laughs> yeah, I also I enjoyed one of the few jokes in here, which was just like, if you want a giant list of skills, go play Mechton Zeta. And yeah, I was like, like thanks. <laughs> robot combat. They were like, hey, would you like a real Gundam with actual, like, ro- working out rules, missiles and everything? Go play Mechton Zeta. That's not what this is. <laughs> that's not this game. Yeah, so... This is very much playing, it's not quite a harem. In fact, I don't even know what anime I feel like this is strong. I guess Ranma. Yeah. Honestly, everything in here, I was like, God damn, it's like Ranma one half and then some sprinkled references. Yeah, there's references to, I I don't, I I honestly, this is the problem. I'm going to say this up front so you can't get mad at me later. I don't know what came out when, and I don't give a shit. That's fine. You don't need to. So I, I see a lot of Tenshi Muyo in here, but I don't know if Tenshi Muyo existed in 87. That is fair. But I mean, the fact that it's like, oh, uh, this is all about sexy teen aliens and whatever coming down and they might like your human. You're like, all right, well, that was very much a big anime thing, especially in something like Tenchi Muyo, which I'm trying to look up right now. And I think was what, 92. So very early 90s. Yeah. Is that Tenchi Muyo you're looking at? Yeah. Yeah, like I said, this is way before that, so I don't know. And the only reason I say that is because I'm wondering where all this space influence is coming from. Because wasn't Ronma half like a bunch of people who were had mystical? Yeah, it was like like, like, you fell into a random pool. Yeah, exactly. They weren't aliens or anything like that. And also, 
I mean, I've never watched Ron Mahaff, so uh, one half. I don't actually know what the premise is. I just knew that if they got wet, they either changed genders or turned into animals or something. Oh yeah, the I only owned I owned a VHS copy of I think the Rama one half like the movie or mm-hmm. something that I got years and years ago, and I was like, okay. Uh, this does not do a good job of explaining what is going on with these characters because it just starts right in. And it's like, here's a dude, and you splash water on him, and now he's a lady. And you're like, okay, sure. And now you splash water on this guy. He's a panda. All right, fucking whatever. Yeah, I uh, exactly. That's as much as I know. So, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where all this like alien stuff is coming from because this is very much about space, about aliens, and uh, it, it generally. Uh, it's got a neat premise. Like, we should start with that. The premise here is that aliens are all coming to Earth because Earth is the first planet in the history of the galaxy to invent the concept of the teenager. Yeah, we are the only ones that have teen culture. Yes. Everywhere else, it's just uh, you're like a larval child and then you go off to work your adult job. And we're the ones who have, like, malls and cool dragsters. Fast food and all that other stuff. Every. We've got beach parties. Yeah. It's got a 1987 mindset of what teenagers like. So it's all this like, we like roller skating and go into the mall and credit cards and and mystery dates. It it was weird because I was like, this is very an 80s version of 60s teenage stuff where it's like, we go have beach bingo parties and we're, we're going to hang out at the mall. And I'm like, dates at the malt shop. What, What the fuck? This is so weird to read current day to be like. All right, so this is a 97 update to an 87 version of what teenagers were like in the 80s that were actually the 60s. And it's like, my shit is fucked reading this. Just know that, you know, you're going to know this game right away because it's it's definitely got a lot of, like, like uh, dudes with River City Ransom haircuts in those... Uh, Japanese schoolboy uniforms that always look like bad guys are supposed to wear them. And then all the women are in leopard print bikinis. Yeah, you have, you know, a few that are in the standard schoolgirl outfits. Uh Uh-huh. And then just uh, everyone else is like, oh, I'm either in like a bikini or a little, you know, mini skirt or fishnets or whatever. Yeah. So that's that. That's what we're doing here. But the concept is neat. The concept that the reason the aliens keep coming to Earth is because Earth is the only planet in the universe to be cool. Yeah, this is... This is where it's cool to go do stuff. And aliens are so into the idea of Earth stuff that you also end up having this like tech exchange where it's like, oh, we oh we we went to Earth and I gave them just a, a used uh particle accelerator and they got me three different bags of McDonald's. It's great deals. <laughs> So I traded my my uh, original old battleship space battleship thing like I traded the Yamato or whatever for 50 pairs of blue jeans. That's that kind of thing. Yeah, it's it is definitely a everyone thinks they are making out like bandits. Mm-hmm. Everyone's excited about it. And but it means that your teenagers, even if you're like, I'm playing a human, can very much be like, oh, I've got like a ray gun. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Weird alien tech is everywhere. Yeah, the reason I've, I felt so tonally confused or upon reading the intro to this is because it's got this wacky vibe to it that I don't recall from from any particular anime, where it's, it says things like, you're going to have wacky powers you never see in any other game. We're talking bury your girlfriend under three miles of popcorn wacky, and I'm like, the fuck, you, what, what is that coming from? I don't know. <laughs> I'll be honest. There's a lot of stuff in here that I'm like, what? <laughs> 
What are you talking about? I just think about? it's a weird interpretation of anime. It's just an early fork of what anime would, of the way that we would all view it. Like now we all kind of have a concept of, of uh, teenage based animes where either we, there's all different kinds. There's the fantasy ones where just, you know, you yell Kagome at, at Inuyasha <laughs> and, and then he yells in, or she yells Inuyasha back at you. You got the high school ones where everyone's constantly explaining how the sport they all play professionally works. Well, yeah, because you've got sports animes, yeah, you've got Slice of Life, one. you got Harem. The cooking ones are my current my current. Uh, obsession. I mean, cooking ones are just a different type of sport. Oh, I know, but I just love it so much. Because where where, it does my favorite thing about anime, which is characters stand around breathless, breathlessly explaining the basic shit to each other, even though they're supposed to be like top-level professionals. <laughs> you know, some guy will put out a glistening omelet and someone else will go, oh, omelets are crafted with eggs. <laughs> <laughs> He is using a butcher knife. It is not like a regular butter knife, for it is sharper and larger. Yeah, exactly. I love that kind of crap. Uh, so, so yeah, it's just interesting. It's like anime by way of tune. It is. But it's, the premise is charming. Yeah, the fact that it's like, what do you do? Man, all you're doing is sort of like taking a slice of life anime and then turning it into a Looney Tune. Yes. So it's, what do you do? Well, you're going to high school, except your high school has like half of the student body is weird aliens. And in the middle of it, someone's going to be like, oops, I accidentally set off a popcorn grenade. And you're like, all right, sure. Yeah. Yeah. God, this is so, I, I guess the only other high school anime I could even think of that I know starts that long ago is Project Aco. Okay. But yeah, I'm just, oh, anyway, so you can play as four kinds of things. Yep. There's not that much difference between most of them. The only one that's really different from the others is humans. Yeah, so you can be a human, uh, which is really the most different from the others, because there's three types of aliens you can be. Yes. But that mostly is descriptive rather than changing mechanics. Yeah, I don't think there's a single mechanical change between the three of them. Uh, so a human has a different power set than the other uh, spe- uh, things you can play as. Although, uh, it, it, that's about it. That's the only real difference. You can play as a near human, which is, you know, basically, if you're looking like Sailor Moon terms, that's what the people who live like on the moon and are mad at the Sailor Mo- Scouts for some reason. It's, it's the standard I've got pointy ears. Yeah, pointy ears or fangs or something. A bare difference. Yeah. Y- you've got not very near human. Which and is- that's much more like cat girls. Yeah, yeah. Mermaid tail, cat Oh, girls. mermaid tail is a real weirdie. Oh, is it? Okay. I thought that guy was just a not near human. Nope. Okay. Not very near are ones who are just like, you're weird, but you're still basically a guy. Yeah, their, their description for not near human was, it, it's a long joke. You know, like I said, this this book does have a little tendency to stray into that humor thing, that over humor thing. But it's like, yeah, maybe you could be mistaken from a human in a trench coat at night outside a convenience store and people will just think you're their uncle Eddie that got mauled by a combine harvester when he was seven. Yeah. So, uh, it's that kind of thing where you, you have partial human appearance to use the, uh, teenage mutant Ninja turtles and other strangeness, uh, style. And then the last one is real weirdy, which is where you're like a blob or a mermaid or, you know, tentacles, whatever you, you, you make your own anime dream choice. Yeah. It's you have a body type that is not just a standard, humanoid no one would ever mistake you for a human yeah and they have a couple of great examples in here including just a blob yeah they got a like mer guy a guy who's a blob and then a dude that's a little squid man a little octopus he's probably the worst part you know how that little dude with the grapes for his hair is like the worst part of my hero academia yeah it's he's it's same... weird that that trope is this old oh it's, of just, it's older yeah. what is it 
oh, there's someone at your high school that's real rapey and everyone barely tolerates it. And you're like, I don't like that anyone at all tolerates it. And they keep putting them in there. You don't need more Minettas. We're good. Yeah, I don't QXXX need QXXX in this case. I don't need a character that's like, what do they do? Well, when they show up, they get grabby and try to kiss you. And I'm like, nope, that <laughs> motherfucker's gone into the ocean. <laughs> He'd be like, I'm from the ocean. I'm part octopus. <laughs> Great. Stay there. I got kicked out for getting handsy <laughs> or tentacly. <laughs> get real tentacly. <laughs> Well, I'm going to go get my, my buddy Tentacles, and he's going to beat the crap out of you. But yeah, so there's, you know, obviously you're going to get that kind of joke in here because it's high school slice of life, and that's just part of anime. There's one kid in every high school slice of life that's too horny. Yeah, just, ooh, weird horny. Yeah. Like, never in real life horny. Nosebleed horny. <laughs> uh, uh, so those are the different things you can play as. The game has, I believe it's eight stats. Yes. So when you make your character, you'll pick whether you're a human or an alien. Uh, the whole near human, very near human thing is, again, just sort of what does your character look like rather than changing anything. Mm -hmm. But regardless of what you are, the way that you get your stats is exactly the same. You roll a d6 down the line. Yes, you just roll d6s for each one of the stats. Uh, that said, once you're done doing that, it does say down the line, but realistically, you could just as easily just roll 8d6 and divide points out as desired, because the moment you're done rolling your stats, you're allowed to just take points from one or any one and put it into any other one until you're done, as long as none of them go below one or above six. Yeah. So, so, so really, it's 8d6, distribute as desired. Yeah, which is weird. The fact that they're like, yeah, roll a d6. Put it in the first stat, yes. then roll a d6 into the second one. Go through this whole thing, and they're like, anyway, at the end, just take all your points and mix them up however you want. You know, I, I appreciate that uh, for on, on a small basis. Like, I, I feel like you could probably do it more elegantly, but realistically, what they're saying, the, the reason you would want to roll your stats first is because it's a great way to get a concept of what you're going to build. Like, if you're at, at a loss for a character, you can roll your stats down the line like that and be like, well, I got a really high smarts and a really low cool uh, I'll just make my character a nerdlinger, and then you can rearrange the points as desired to make it make sense. But yeah, ultimately, mathematically, there's no reason for it to say you have to roll down the line. You don't. Yeah. But you get your stats, which are smarts, uh, bod, which is obviously just how physical yes. you are, uh, relationship with parents or authorities, if you don't have parents. Yeah, this is the first game I've heard of where you it's all about your relationships with your parents. Uh, you know, and it's, it's, uh, it's all very indie and you, you, you can, uh, you, you can cry if you want to, <laughs> you may cry. I'm doing everything I can to not mention the fishblade discourse, <laughs> but the fact that one of your stats is relationship with parents is interesting. It's great. I love it. I, I, the moment I saw that I was so excited cause I was like, Oh neat. A stat that's not charisma or constitution. Yeah. And it's the one thing that I, I was sort of like, what a missed opportunity is this game has an allowance stat, which is how much money your parents give you per week in the game. Mm -hmm. And I kept going like, this should, this should have something to do with relationship with parents. Like, have it be if you've got a high relationship with your parents, great, they'll give you more money. But this game has a system of if you say stay out after your curfew or disobey and sneak out at night or whatever. And your parents find out your stat of relationship with parents can be lowered. Yes. Yeah, and it can affect things in the game. But I was like, man, 
that's such a great way to affect your income and everything that that would be an interesting way to do things, but they do not. I don't mind it being disconnected just because that allows for parents that give you a high allowance no matter what you do because they're disconnected from you in some way. But uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right. It would have been a neat connection. Uh, after that is luck, uh, then driving, which is a stat in this game and not not a knack or a skill. And that's that is explained right away. It's it's not wild. They just say yeah because driving is a big part of teenage culture. If you're if you can't drive, you suck. Which is. I'm going to say weird because the game has an entire equipment section and how much money you start with and you don't have a car. Well, you suck at start. That, that's fine. Like, I mean, it, it says if you don't have a car, you suck. But realistically, that's just because that's like 80s movie lingo. You know that those characters don't suck. Ferris Bueller doesn't have a car. He's he's cool. <laughs> But it's it's just weird that they would be like, yes, one of the main statistics is driving and how good you are at driving because driving vehicles is a big part of this game. Anyway, no starting character has one. You're like, okay. <laughs> Maybe your starting character didn't have one. Uh, but, but yeah, uh, <laughs> you're not wrong, but it does also apply to any kind of vehicle that you operate at all. So you can use it for making surfing checks or roller skating or if you have a bike. All of those things play off your driving skills. Yes. So it does have some function, even if you don't have any of the game's four or five kinds of vehicles. Mm -hmm. uh, then there's looks, which is straight up how hot you are. It's a refreshing change. Uh, cool, which is pretty self-explanatory. And finally, bonk. This is how good you are at playing the TurboGrafx-16 <laughs> seminal. <laughs> bonk the caveman. <laughs> yeah, the bonk is just... Your hit points, yes. so you can have anywhere from 1 to 6 HP, mm -hmm. essentially, and if you take damage, if you go to 0, you're out for a round. If you take more than that, if you're at, like, negative 3, you're out for 3 more rounds. Yeah. Uh, but as soon as it's those rounds are done, you go to full. So if you've got 5 bonk, you take enough to knock you to negative 1, you stay out for 2 rounds, and then you're back to 5. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so th those are the eight stats, uh, and beyond. Once you have those rolled out, it's time to. I think the game actually has you pick your your alien or human thing next. But there are a couple other things to deal with. Next, you're going to roll another d6, and that is going to be the number of points that you have to spend on Nax. Yeah. Now, Nax, because this doesn't have a skill list or anything like that, uh, your Nax are just. You roll a d6, you have that many points to put into whatever knack you want to make up, and up to three in any given one of them. So mm -hmm. if, you know, you manage to get, say, you roll a four, you could get two knacks at a plus two, or four knacks at a plus one, whatever, uh, but those are all just essentially made-up skills that will go off of whatever your stat is. Yeah. So if I've got, like... I want to be a cool dude, and I want to have looking cool as one of my knacks. Yeah. Then I could be like, oh, I put two points into that. So whenever someone sees me, I'll roll cool plus of looking cool wearing shades or whatever. Yeah, there's a there's a list on the side. It has things like clobbering and sweet talk your mom on it. Uh, so it does really kind of have that exact problem we were complaining about, but they're all suggestions and not the actual skills that you d definitively have to interact with. Exactly. You can make up whatever you want. Yeah. You don't need to have a, a skill in uh, in weird science or shoot big ray gun. Uh, 
Or you could even just change that to shoot if you're feeling like you don't want to have to say the joke every time. Yeah, you just be like, look, I've got a knack of marksman. Yeah. I don't feel like making a joke. Exactly. So uh, once you, and you can, like we were saying a second ago, you can put any number of points in those up to three from that single D6 you roll. This is the one part where I, I kept looking for the XP system in this game because you get a D6 points worth of knacks, but all as you're making your way through this book, the layout is, here's all the characters we made, and here's the character creation rules, and then they'll intersperse the, the characters they made throughout. They have like 20 fucking knack points each. Oh, yeah. I just went to a random one right now to look at it, and Quali, who's basically like a Medusa-looking alien, has uh, 11 points in knacks. Yeah. And I was like, god damn, all right. I don't know how you do that. Uh, there is an XP system in here that can give you more points in Nax. Oh, good. I guess they're high-level characters. But, then. yeah, I was like, these are very high-level characters. Yeah, so so anyway, um, that it's, it's neat, though. I like that you can make your Nax because that helps. Uh, it's another way to help build your character. The next thing, powers. There are uh, There's two groups of powers. There's ones for aliens, and there's ones for humans. Yeah, now, the... Do the humans ones first, even though they'd go into the alien ones first, because the human one is easy. Yes. Every human gets the ability to fool aliens. Yes. Uh, because you can, it's called fake out, but you can essentially convince aliens of anything being earth culture. Yes. So if an alien comes down, you can be like, oh, you know, all the teens this year are wearing bow ties. If you give me your flying saucer i'll give you a box of bow ties and you'll be the coolest teen ever and they're mm -hmm. like oh well you're a human you'd know yeah all humans are are uh the taste makers of the of the universe they know everything about what could possibly be cool thinks every alien yes uh no now, matter how long they've been around apparently yeah now well, I like they that. can be proven otherwise if i go hey the coolest thing ever is to walk around with mayonnaise in your shoes and then they are like oh great i'll do that and then get made fun of for it then it doesn't stop them from coming back to you and going, you fucking liar. <laughs> who would dare? But who would make fun of someone for mayonnaise in their shoes? That's personal expression. <laughs> if you got mayo crocs, baby, that's awesome. <laughs> that's the only thing I would ever consider using that foul uh, semi-colloid for. <laughs> mm -mm -mm, my favorite. <laughs> Disgusting. Uh, so, uh, so, so yeah, all, yeah, all humans get the ability to fake people out. And then... They have the chance of one other power. You roll on a table of 2d6, mm -hmm. and uh, depending on what you roll, you can get another ability, but most likely you will get nothing, because on the 2d6 table, 5, 6, 7, and 8 are all nothing. Yeah, any craps player will tell you that means they didn't want you to have a power. Yeah, that means if, if you got to roll on the field if you want to have a power. If if you're not rolling a field number, you're fucked. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, uh, it's a sucker's bet is what I will say. <laughs> well, luckily you don't bet on it. You just get a free roll. Yep, but you can get things like oh, I'm rich or cute or I can run fast or yeah. I'm lucky. And in most cases, there is an equivalent alien power that's just better. Uh, so, for example, if you get the ability of being able to run fast, then it'll it'll straight up tell you, yeah, you're the fastest human you know. Any alien with any speed power is faster than you. Yeah, because one of the alien powers is just super speed. Yes. So, being able to have the human ability run like hell is just, oh, for a round, you have super speed. Yes. And that's it. A uh, there's uh, some other human ones that are very uh, 
genre savvy. Like there's one that's very Tenchi Muyo to me, or, or I, I don't know, maybe this happened in earlier anime, where a character just takes enough weirdness and, and stupid alien bullshit in their in their life to fucking snap and go ape shit for one round. Yes. Uh, where they, if they're at one bonk, if they've taken enough damage that they're at one bonk, which I find hilarious, given that one bonk is a starting value that you could have. Yep. So if you're that character, you're just a hair trigger. At any time, for any reason, you can just immediately go ape shit and have, have super strength and stuff. Yep. So, uh, for one round, you get the uh, you get access to super strength and a couple of other uh, alien abilities. Yeah, toughness and super speed. You just absolutely go bonkers. Yeah, yeah. and then you settle down. <laughs> yeah. So that's cool. Uh, the aliens, uh, instead of getting a set ability and then rolling on one table, there are five different power tables. You pick three of them. And roll 1d6 and get a power from one each of those tables. Yes. Now, each of those tables also has the ability to give nothing. Yeah, if you roll a 1 on any table, you just don't get a power. Yeah, and then the fifth table has the 1, 3, or 5 is nothing. So it's basically the worst one to pick <laughs> is the fifth table. Because instead of a 1 in 6 chance of getting nothing, it's a 50-50. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be determined by whether the um, the three powers that are on that table are good enough. Although I would not say they are. They definitely <laughs> are not. Definitively not. One of them is straight up just Ronma one half the power. Yeah, it's, uh, oh, you can turn from a boy to a girl or a girl to a boy. Yeah, the only thing that's neat about that one is it at least says that if you do a gender swap, you automatically become like the hottest possible specimen of the gender you swap into. Yeah, you just turn into a sexy version of whatever the other gender so is. So even if you've got a looks of one, you turn into a look six. It doesn't specifically say look six. I don't know why I didn't think ahead like that. But you turn into the hottest version of whatever. Yeah. Um, this book, by the way, has some very old-fashioned gender language in it. Uh, nothing offensive, just old-fashioned. No, it. I mean, it just, you know, has standard 80s assumptions on things. Exactly. So, like, for there's a part where you have to design your character's parents, and it tells you straight up, like, you are not allowed to design a non-nuclear mom-and-dad family unit, because that's what comedy is made of. Yeah. So no making no making a gay fa family or a single mom or anything like that, nope. even if you've really got one of those things. And the reason I brought that up is just because the description of turning from a boy into a girl with the boy-girl power is you turn into the sexiest collection of two double X chromosomes the world has ever seen. Yes, indeed. And I'm just like, yeah, that's kind of old-fashioned, but it's an old game, so I get why it's old-fashioned. Yep, I understand it. Yeah, just just sort of a warning, you know, if you're going to if you think that our review comes off as glowing and you buy this and read this, be ready for for Yeah, know, just know this 80s. was written in 87. Yeah, so. and they didn't they didn't update it in 97 and even if they had, they wouldn't have changed much. But fucking like so much gay bashing shit was still in regular oh, sitcoms for in 97. Real. Ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, for aliens, you can get sort of standard superpowers as far as like super speed, super strength, flying, shape changing, force fields, all that. Uh, a few little weird things like talk to aliens isn't a power that's just talking to aliens. It's literally talk to anything. So like yes. the rocks or trees or anything. Yeah. Uh, Magical Girl is one of the ones I found the most interesting just from sort of like a cultural rubbernecking standpoint. Uh, it, it's not what you think. It's not a transformation sequence and a desire to to dis achieve justice and four color-coded friends. It's uh, Instead, it's just that your wishes come true and you can just make anything you want happen three times a day. Uh, and it actually, later on, it, it says, for, for example, that you to do this, you have to be extremely cute. 
which is why there aren't a lot of magical guys. So again, we got that old-fashioned gender in there. But later in the book, it will actually mention why it's that and not, like, your Sailor Moon. Yeah. And that's because they just didn't think that was very fun. <laughs> They're like, eh, Sailor Moon's not comedy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I just thought that was kind of neat to just straight up take the concept of magical girl and just be like, yeah, you're a girl who has magic. Done. You are a magical girl, period. Where, where even people like you and me who are not big anime fans just in general, like, we're not no, the second I saw one of the powers was magical girl, I was like, oh, you get a transformation sequence. Yeah. Okay. Transformation sequence and a power that's related to one of some grouping of things. Like, oh, each one of us has a power based on a planet. Just that kind of thing. But no, it's not that. <laughs> it's a different thing entirely. Uh, but yeah, the rest of them all just kind of uh, are the what you'd expect them to be. Uh, the, the only ones that aren't have jokey names. So like, if you want to freeze time for everyone but yourself in a one mile radius, it's called temporal funk. Yeah. Uh, if you want to have a self-duplication, it's called Three's a Crowd. Yeah, it's there's a couple little goofity things. Little jokey jokes. They're not that bad. They, don't, they wouldn't bother you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The last thing that you'll really... Well, not the last, last there's, thing, but... There's one more power I wanted to talk about just because I thought it was okay. hilarious. Uh, and that's Telephone. Uh, telephone is the ability to call anyone from anywhere with nothing. You just... But to to make it work, you have to pantomime making a payphone call. Yeah. You have to hold up like an invisible credit card and swipe it through an invisible slot. And then you take your invisible cell phone and you can talk to anyone you want. <laughs> and I just found that kind of fun. But anyway, I'm sorry. The last thing is traits, I think, right? Yes. So yeah. the last thing is traits. And those aren't actually anything more than just role-playing things. Yeah, it's you, just pick three. Oh, pick some traits of what your character is like. You know, are you shy or greedy or temperamental or you know any of the other various nonsense things you can get yes exactly and again you are encouraged to make up your own uh some of these again have kind of uh kind of old-fashioned sensibilities one, one of them for example in the listing uh, the example listing is schizoid yep uh that's that that's not the sort of thing you really want to see anymore but it's just you know it's from the 80s just making just really being clear just making sure you know Making sure you know, girl crazy is one of them in there as well. All right, so yeah, it, those aren't that big of a deal. They're just a thing you pick, and it, it does a pretty good job. I gotta say, for a game this old, I, I like a lot of the of the uh, advice that we find throughout here, and the, and what they chose to use the uh, kind of DM notes and advice sections to do. Mm -hmm. I, I'm a fan of that. So it's like, hey, when you make your traits, make sure you can actually do them. Like for example, a, an introverted, paranoid party animal is going to be a real hard problem to play. Yeah. You're like, oh, that does not really fit. Make sure that you can do the traits, because even though they don't have a mechanical thing, it's not like, oh, if I'm a party animal as a trait, then when a party happens, I'll get a bonus to whatever. You're like, no, it's just telling the GM and the other players and yourself, like, oh, this is the way I'm supposed to play this character. Yes. Like, these are the big notes to hit when I'm playing this. Exactly. They're basically just acting guides. And and I like that. I like stuff that you can add to your character that doesn't actually do anything except inform play. Yeah. And it's especially, like, I think useful in a game like this where it's supposed to be a very, you know, like Looney Tunes cartoon, goofy antics, mm -hmm. and being able to look down and go like, okay, what are the things that I portray at all times? Yes. Like, if you have the ability to be, or one of the traits that's like, I'm forgetful. It's not just like, oh, maybe I forget a thing now and then. It's like, no, you should be playing your character as 
like comically, comically forgetful. Yeah, these are these are your uh, your go to lean tools for comedy. Is what you're supposed to do. When in doubt, play one of these three things up. Yes, you know if you're if you're getting pessimistic, you are straight up just like Go, always a downer on everything. Yeah, you're going full boober fraggle, <laughs> or I guess probably a more culturally relevant reference would be Eeyore. But I, <laughs> probably, <laughs> but I'm a but I'm a boober stand from way back. <laughs> oh, we all know your opinions on boobers. I know. <laughs> hey, everybody loves a good boobers comedy from the '80s. <laughs> Down in Fraggle Rock. So, uh, so anyway, yeah. Uh, once you do that, the only other thing to really do is your allowance. Yeah, you'll get a uh, set number, which again has nothing to do with your parents. It's just uh, you roll a couple d six, multiply it by five, and that's how much money you get per week. And then when you make your starting character. You roll one more die, and that's how many weeks you start out with. Yes. So you'll have, you know, if you've got 20 bucks a month and you roll a five, great. You're going to start with 100 bucks. Yeah. 2d6 and- times 10, or 2d6 plus five times yep. 1d6, starting cash starting. on hand. There you go. Uh, and then they've got a whole section on things you can spend it on, with which. A lot of wacky stuff in there. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of stuff, obviously, for your you know, cars and whatnot, Mm -hmm. because that's a big part of it, even though you're not going to have one. Well, you won't start with one, but it's definitely one of the drives of the game because they don't make things too expensive. Like, yeah, you can start with as little as what? Like, like uh, $2, I think is the app. Mm -hmm. No, it's it's $10. $10 is the lowest per per week. Yeah. So, uh, so you can start with very, very little cash, uh, but, but uh, like getting a car costs like $250. Yeah. Uh, this is another spot where they do the forced jokes on you where they're like, yeah, if you want a car, you have to go to uncle Eddie's gently used car, uh, lot. It's the only car lot in the world. <laughs> and it does the same thing for, for spaceships, but it's like crazy uncle Zorgloid's flying saucer lot. Yeah. There are only four kinds of cars you can buy. This game is not about vehicle stats and vehicle operation beyond just using your drive skill. You can have a car which in the parlance of this game will get you to and from school, but will not make you cool because spaceships exist. Ah. Uh, you can have a flying saucer, which is just a shorthand. It's any it's any crappy spaceship is a flying saucer. Mm. Uh, if you have a flying saucer, it's because you bought a beater from a flying saucer lot, but at least you can get into space. Yeah. There is Spacer, which I at first thought was like, you know, like Lobo's bike or just a cool space car, right? Yeah. But it's not. It's... It's what happens if you take a cool hot rod from Earth and sort yeah, of... it's a dragster that can go in space. Yeah, but except the only way to get one is to buy both things and mush them together. Well, yeah. It's a hybrid. You have to make it... Because it needs, it needs to look like an Earth car. Yes. Because the whole point of it is, oh, you have a flying saucer, which looks like, you know, an alien craft. Mm-hmm. But if you want to be super cool, you get a fucking Cadillac and you put some uh, thrusters on the back of there. Yeah, just give it X-Wing wings. Just... <laughs> You put them S-foils in attack position, and you're ready to go. Yeah, the ladies can't resist the S-foils in attack position. (laughs) When I get my S-foils in attack position, ladies know it's on. (laughs) That's my favorite rapper from the 90s. Ladies love S-foils in attack position. (laughs) Uh, My head is like a shark fin. (laughs) 
Oh, I was wrong, by the way. You do start with an with a automobile. Oh, you start with a car. Okay. Yeah, if you're a human, you start with an automobile. If you're an alien that can't teleport, you start with a flying saucer. Very good. Nobody gets to start with a space stir, though. No, but if you have an alien and a human and a garage... Uh, then baby... But you yeah, might be able to roll that. There's just a list of prices for things that you can modify your spaceships and cars with, like upgraded engines and... New interior and yeah. stereos, which... That's one of the jokes in this. Yeah. That's a joke for other people. There is a lot of uh, references to ghetto blasters in this. Yes. Which I was like, God damn, I have not heard that in forever. That is such an 80s term for a boombox, which is such a 90s term for a stereo that you will never hear. I love that the joke that the ghetto blaster died with the stereo, that it was like the last term for it. So it still calls it, it, it it's a. Uh, it's like calling laundry machines a laundry mangle for forever just because people stopped washing their clothes. But in this game, it's just a Douglas Adams joke. It's the pan-galactic ghetto blaster. Yeah. Do, do you do you get it? Do you? Yeah, it's it's fine. It's an okay joke. But, I mean, they make references to just standard ghetto blasters all throughout the book oh, anyway. yeah, for sure. They absolutely do. Uh, just because stereos... Like, they mention if your car uh, it doesn't have a, a sound system that you've installed into it, then which they, they say will deafen everybody for, like, a mile. If you turn it on, because they're doing a lot of extreme teen jokes here. Yes. But uh, they're like, then you just have a, a a ghetto blaster sitting on one of the seats. That's your that's your sound system in your car. Yep. <laughs> have you ever been that janky in your life, John? Uh, No, but I have had a car where it was. I've had a car where you needed to know the trick how to get in. Uh, okay. I love that. That's the kind of shit that I love in cars where you're like, oh, you can't start this car unless you know how to like turn the key and yep. hit a thing and then crank whatever. Yeah, I had a car that I could not let other people drive because there was a thing you had to do while driving the whole time or the car would stop. <laughs> yes. So I love that shit. It was the type of thing where I was like, oh, you have to hold the the car door at a cert like the handle at a certain angle while turning the key mm. and then it'll open if you don't do that it does nothing yeah i had a car where you had to keep your your arm leaned into the door or the whole car would rattle like crazy and this is my favorite part the clutch wouldn't w- would be completely useless it would do it would just go straight to the floor and do nothing uh in i'm oh, sorry it was the clutch it was the the brakes i forget which one it was whichever i think it was the clutch you had to pump it you had to pump it with your foot like you were inflating a balloon uh and, to, until it started giving resistance, and once it gave resistance, you could use it for a couple of seconds before you had to start pumping it again. Wow. Uh, so I learned how to drive this thing where I'd be like, all right, here comes my freeway off-ramp. I'm I'm 200 yards from my freeway off-ramp. I need to start furiously pumping either my brake or my clutch or whatever it was, or I will die. <laughs> this is how I get to work. <sighs> <laughs> uh. I was convinced for forever that your clutch was inflatable and that mine had a leak. <laughs> Good. <laughs> And I also have had a car where I had to have a stereo uh, zip tied to the back of one of the seats because the stereo, the, the actual stereo system didn't work. But yeah, Jake, I remember you- one of my friends uh, had one of those things where, oh, the CD he had in it got stuck and you couldn't change it. So it was just a Rammstein CD <laughs> forever. And all you could do was <laughs> decide if you wanted to turn it up and listen to it or turn it off. Yeah, my car right now has a CD player that I don't use because why would I? It also has Bluetooth capability so I could just use my phone like every other person. Uh, and so every once in a while, someone will come into my car and press the CD button and they'll get blasted with the only CD I have in there. Uh, which is the greatest hits of Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> and so they'll they'll get hit. It's always set to my favorite Simon and Garfunkel song, Keep the Customer Satisfied. And so so people are always like, oh, you have a CD player. What's in there? And th- then they'll be like, what the fuck is this? 
<laughs> I'm like, I don't know where any other CD is. That one came with the car. <laughs> that one's there, and it stays it there. Stay- and it's not like I'm regretting it. That, saw- that-, that album rips, even for a best of. <laughs> uh, now, in addition to getting a car or stuff for your car, there's a bunch of gadgets. Uh, the most you can do, like, if you've got a zap gun, it hits for two bonk. If you hit someone with just a regular weapon, it's one bonk. There's not a lot of high damage stuff in there. You oh, can't really do anything crazy. Yeah, like even if you have, there's a sidebar for the vehicles, because I mentioned there were four types. The other one is giant robots. Yeah. If you have a Gundam giant robot, then it's automatically equipped with like a laser or a sword arm or something that does a whopping, this is a 50 foot tall thing, four bonk. Yeah. And it's the same thing if you have the alien power of turning into a kaiju, which is one of them. Uh-huh. So, you know, even at the high end, you're not dealing with ridiculous numbers, which is good, given that everyone has a D6 of bonk. And it's not like the game has a complicated combat or armor system that's reducing these or anything. So. No. So, yeah, it's it, it's very simple. If you, you wouldn't have something that does six or seven bonk, because what would be the point? There's no way to prevent it. Yeah, and I mean... You can get a a bonk regenerator ray, which gives two bonk back to a person. Right. So if someone shoot, shoots somebody with a zap gun, like, ah, oh, you lose two bonk. You're like, great, I shoot him with the regenerator ray. He gets two back. I don't care. We'll be at this all day. <laughs> yeah. I think there's force fields that can protect you from bonk damage, but they just take bonk damage. So uh, there's also I, one of the powers is a bonk vampirism. Yeah. Dra- drain bonk. Which, boy, do not Google that. <laughs> Unless you're a huge fan, an especially huge fan a, of the Turbo Graphics, a 16. very specific fan of Bonk the Caveman being drained. <laughs> uh, now you know it has a whole bunch of you know goofy sci-fi things. It does have a boy-girl gun, so you can swap someone's gender against their will, <laughs> which is not the best thing. No, it's not It's not great, but it sure does tell you the influence for this game was Ronma one half and some other stuff. Yep. But mostly Ronma one half. It really there is. There are so many ways to change gender. Yeah, it's all over the place in here for some <laughs> reason. Uh, but you can get stuff like uh, an instant hole or... You can get well, yeah, invisibility spray paint. Yeah. Uh, duplicator guns, so you can create a copy of something. Yeah, a lot of them replicate the powers that aliens can get. Uh, this is where that popcorn joke comes into play. There's a grenade that you can throw that will instantly fill in the in- any interior physical space from uh, floor to ceiling with popcorn. And if you use it outdoors, it literally creates a two-mile-high po- mountain of popcorn. Yeah. Great. Two miles high, eight-mile-round mountain of popcorn. Yeah. I don't know what that's from. I, I and it's kind of the, the, the gag you can only use once: the mountain of popcorn. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the fucking thing costs ten dollars, so it's not like you couldn't just be like, yo, I buy like fifty of these, and I'm just running around <laughs> creating mountains. This is my only gimmick. I, I, I'm turning the islands we live on into the popcorn isles. <laughs> this is all I do. <laughs> Uh, but in addition to that, you also have the ability in the game to make your own whatever. So just like they have knacks that are pretty much just make your own skills Mm -hmm. here they have oh if you want to you can just roll and try and make your own gadget if you're like i've got a dumb sci-fi joke idea for an item yeah you know i want a thing that makes it so that people act like puppies because that's my kink and i want to force it into this game (laughs) then (laughs) you go ahead and write that down give it to the referee they'll make a difficulty roll for it 
I like how you're hiding it because you still have shame. <laughs> o- otherwise, you would have made a, a machine that makes the DM allow your kink. <laughs> yeah, but the DM decides how tough it is. So they're like, all right, it's a 2,000 difficulty. You can't do it. Yeah, I love that. That they just like, yeah, if it's impossible, set the difficulty at 2,000 or whatever. But yeah, um, it, it basically it works off smarts rolls. So if you have a high smarts, this is where your, your time to shine is. Yep. And, you know, if you wanted to and you're like oh i put points into making weird gadgets as a knack you can get some extra Mm -hmm. but whatever you do if the gm goes oh that's kind of funny and i like it then they'll probably you know make it fairly easy but it is they have a difficulty and then they roll a d6 and then you roll a d6 and add it to your smarts and any knack you might have right if you get over it then you can actually make the device if you only get over it by like one or two then it will also probably have some weird side effect. Yes. Yeah. And which, you know, that's fine. If you're making mad science gadgets to do alien things, they should have wacky side effects. Yeah. The example that they have in the book is someone makes a thing because they're, uh, they don't want to read in order to study. They want to go hang out with their boyfriend. Oh, yeah. So they make a typographic telepathizer, which just, uh, puts printed word into their mind so they don't have to worry about it. But mm-hmm. it has the side effect of, when you roll for it, if you get a five or a six, then it prints it on your face, too. So you have a whole bunch of printed text on your face. Yes, and then it just immediately equivocates it with saying that the the the, uh, the character, the pre-gen character from the book that did this is the hot, vapid one. So everyone will just think that's the current style anyway. So she'll be fine. Yeah. This also has... <sighs> one of the running things in this is... The, I guess the way that they thought they would balance, if you were like, oh, I just rolled a whole bunch of sixes or I got real good knacks or whatever. The way they balance it is they're like, oh, if you're too good at something, then there's a penalty that will come with that. If your looks are too high, then everyone's going to chase you around town. Yeah, which would be bad if this was like exalted or something. But here it's mostly just comedy hooks. I mean, it's... It's just weird because the one that they give of like, oh, looks, yeah, everyone thinks you're so hot and they chase you around. I'm like, yeah, but how are you going to make like having a six smarts or relationship with parents or whatever? <laughs> I'm like, okay. Well, if you have a six relationship with your parents, then they are always showing up at inopportune times and like helping you, which you think is what a one relationship with your parents should be. Yeah. Yeah. Instead instead of the the obvious one where you're like fighting with them constantly, it should be like, if you have a one relationship... Then they embarrass you. Yeah. But you're right. They use looks, which is the easy way out. Exactly. Like, what do you do with if it's cool? You're too cool? What, what? Yeah, I got a six cool, and everyone's like, that guy's cool. They actually do have an example in there that makes what that what that's like. Where the, One of their example characters is a, a sexy merman named Kano. Um, and he, Kano has cool six. Uh, and when they, they do an example story of, of what it's like to try and do opposed roles... They have a, a girl walk up who, who meets him and has a crush on him, but he is so cool that she cannot bring herself to talk to him. Yeah, they keep making opposed cool roles, and he always beats her, and so she just continually, like, trips and falls or stumbles and can't say the, cert- the yeah. thing she wants to. But the end result isn't that she's co- totally smitten, it's that she, like, gives up. Because she's like, oh, there's no way I can do this. I'm just going to not try and ask this guy out. Yeah, exactly. She strikes out. So we get an example of what having a super high cool can do as a uh, as a negative. Although the problem is generally you just get around it by role playing. You just be like, 
I'm super cool and I want to date that lady. So rather than making a bunch of opposed ways, l- roles, I'll just be like, hey, you, let's date. Well, I mean, that was the resolution of their example is at the end, the lady is dejected and leaves. And he shows And up. he just walks over and goes, hey, let's go out. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> all right, man, sure. <laughs> Why did we roll all that? <laughs> Why did we do this? <laughs> because it's fun. That's yeah. why. Yeah. Uh, so that's also mostly the mechanic for how everything works in this game. It's just these very simple opposed roles, D6 plus stat. Yeah. And if it's against another character, it's whatever their stat is plus mm-hmm. a D6. If it's against just sort of the environment, the GM will just make up a difficulty and roll a D6 and add it to it. Yeah. So if it's, you know, easy, it'll be like a one. If it's pretty difficult, it'll be a six. And you know, it goes, and if you really don't want him to do it, make it 2,000. I'm like, or just say no. Yeah, just say no. I mean, I get it. It's just that that joke's only going to be funny once. Yeah, I, <laughs> I get I get your joke, but nah. So, um, so anyway, uh, after that, we get into the DM section in this game, which is almost entirely advice for how to stage and set up comedy beats or comedy routines. Yes. Talking yeah. about, like, all right, what's the type of, like, tropes and scenes that you play out generally. Yeah. So it'll be things like at the mall. What kind of jokes could you do at the mall? And then it all, I mean, I like some of the things in there of like, you know, what should you be paying attention to? Like, don't, if it, if something is far away and your, uh, teenagers are going there, unless you have an idea for like a wacky road trip thing, just have them get there. Oh, yeah. You don't need to focus on bullshit that doesn't matter. Yeah, like, I, I know it probably sounded like I was complaining there, but realistically, this is a joke game, so I appreciate that almost all of the DM advice is just joke advice. And it's in, instead of what you often find in comedy games, which weirdly, in the DM section, they will awful, often regress back to regular role-playing game advice and be like, be mean to your players. Give them hard difficulties and keep secrets from them. And this is like, now bring them into the circle. They're part of the jokes. Help, help build the stage that they're going to need to do the jokes. Yeah. So I like that. It does drag on for sure. Like the the DM section goes on forever. It's like, what kind of comedy could you do at a noodle shop? Which, by the way, the game has this great bit about like, they call it McDoggies instead of McDonald's. But they're like, in Japan, the equivalent to going to a McDoggies is to go to a hot noodle shop. Yeah, because they're like, do you want to set this game in the U.S. or Japan? There's there's a joke about how they're, they're the same. You know, they do like... In in uh, America, you read X Men, and in Japan, you read X Manga. Uh, it's just that kind of stuff. It's very Yakov uh, uh, Smirnov. <laughs> yeah, in Imperial Japan, X Men read you. Oh no! <laughs> so uh, also in, uh, in America, that happens because a lot of them are telepathic. Hmm. Uh, anyway. The uh, the the jokes just tend to drag, or not the jokes. These these setup stages tend to drag on because it's just way too much advice. It's like, what about at the dentist office? I bet that'd go a little something like this. It's still it is good advice though. Oh yeah, I mean the baseline like here are just rules are mostly just all right. Get into it like physically be present. You know, mm-hmm. improv, move around. If someone's if a character's jumping up and down because they're angry, you jump up and down, try and get your players into it. Yeah, like that live action uh, 
fainting towards things we do here. We're yeah, like, they're like, there's barely any fucking rules to this. Yeah. So the whole point of this is to act out goofy nonsense. He, there's even a section where he says, like, oh, I've had people when I playtest this at, at conventions and so on, they say it's the most tiring game to run they've ever done because they have to get up on the table and yell and carry on and dance and so on. I was like, that's great. I like that conceptually. Yeah. Get everybody involved. Bother the other people in the same room as you at uh, Gen Con. <laughs> Make it everyone else's problem. Like that time that we tried to run a game at Gen Con and the next <laughs> table over was like 14 people playing some My Little Pony Warhammer mashup. And they were just loud as fuck about it because they just kept yelling for the Pone Emperor or whatever. Uh. <laughs> Hot shit. Hot trash. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then what else we got? Uh, I mean, that's pretty much it. After you get done with all of the, uh, like advice and then the routines where they're like, all right, here's standard things of like, oh, what's the principal in a school like? What's it like if you meet the hall monitor? What's the vice principal like? He's a giant mound of muscle and meat and... You Which is what? a weird thing to be like, yeah, that's a standard thing that everyone agrees to. And I'm like, that's odd, because I always assumed from all of the media I consumed that your vice principal was a weaselly little guy who was too into rules. <laughs> Maybe that's because I watched too much Doug. It might be a Doug thing. I'm going to tell you right now, this is, I didn't think this was a trope either, but it is my lived experience. Our, <laughs> our high school uh, vice principal, principal was a retired NFL linebacker. Uh, and, and he just did it because he loved education or whatever, but he was dead serious and got mean really fast. He, one time I watched him, uh, he got mad at a friend of mine who was like the nerdiest nerdlinger that ever did nerd. <laughs> I mean, we're talking just, just a tiny little nerdy guy who never did nothing to nobody. And he got mad at him over some perceived slight and took the three ring binder out of his hands and tore it in half. Huh? <laughs> Got in huge trouble for it, did the vice principal. He had to, he had to produce a written apology. Yeah. Well, but, but otherwise, straight up direct description of this guy. 400 pound monster, crew cut, angry disposition, extremely dead serious. When I read this, I was like, oh, huh. I didn't know anyone else had that. <laughs> That's weird. I mean, I went to a Catholic all boys high school, so our principal and vice principal were just Irish priests. <laughs> Uh, was either one of them 400 pounds made entirely of muscle? No, but our uh, wrestling coach and Spanish teacher, who was an Olympic judo uh, person who got, I think, either bronze or silver in one year, Ooh. was, and famously, someone called him the N-word at one point, oh. and he threw him over the hedges. Oh my goodness. Just straight chucked him over something, and I'm like... <laughs> Fucking trunchbulled him. Oh yeah. I was like, god damn, you straight DJ Jazzy Jeff hucked that dude. Like... <laughs> That was a sight to see. He did not get in any trouble, because why would you? <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, you know, you, I, I, I couldn't imagine what would happen if you had called our vice principal that. Yeah, I was like, you're... you in half. How, how do you look at this guy and be like, this is the time that I want to do this? <laughs> it's ridiculous. But he was great. I loved him. He was friendly as hell. Yeah, our vice principal was not friendly, but I had a, I, I had a shaky respect for him. Because, you know, I was friends with a nerdlinger who's, ba- who's uh, bindery tore in half. <laughs> How dare you tear this nerdlinger's binder? This harmless nerdlinger who's done nothing? <laughs> this this tiny little nerd boy? <laughs> uh, and it does have, uh, as well, this book, a 
sample adventure, but I didn't read it because I don't care. We don't generally. And there you go. It, now you know. Unless a book has absolutely nothing else in it, we will not generally read the sample adventures. Uh, this one has two things. It's got a sample adventure. It's very much about dates and so on. Uh, and then it has a list of setups that are like, you know, oh, the, the short, super short adventures, just prompts. There is one last bit of DM advice I thought was kind of fun to talk about, which mm-hmm. is it opens with straight up a sentence like, hey, I just want to put this out in the open. I ho- I'm sorry if this disappoints you. None of the characters in this game will or should ever have sex. <laughs> it's just don't do it. Sex is way less funny than almost sex. Yeah. So so uh, what you should do is always interrupt anything before it gets to it. Always interrupt us that coitus. Yeah. If you've got two characters and they're about to get down and dirty at like lover's point, you would better have like a UFO crash into them or some shit. It's going to have to escalate too. So start small because you're going to be building up. Everyone's primary goal oh, is going to oh, be to have Oh, they're building sex. up. You know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> the tension is mounting. Everyone's <laughs> and so are they. Yes. And so... <laughs> So an ever-increasing series of obstacles need to present themselves. It's just one more bit. Uh, Speaking of presenting themselves. (laughs) I'm just saying they have to present (laughs) oral arguments for why they should be allowed to have sex. Great. 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 (laughs) Yeah, so there you go. That's, uh, That's teenagers from outer space for you. Yeah. I didn't dislike this. It's a very... It's a comedy game. But it's so light and frothy that you don't feel bad that they do a lot of jokes themselves while you're reading your way through it. You're like, ah, this is fine. And you can see the play mechanics. It leaves you with enough left for yourself, enough of a space that you can see the jokes. Yeah, given that almost everything in this is like, all right, we've provided a framework, but you can fill out whatever you want in there. I'm like, great. You don't need to tell me what the jokes are. That can be done at table, which is the whole point of a comedy game. Yeah, I'd rank this in terms of a comedy game translating into a page game. I have since, ever since our Paranoia review, I've actually played Paranoia. Oh, and, good for you. And now I like it. When I Originally, all my intentions on Paranoia were based on reading anyone ever mentioning it on any Discord or forum or whatever on the internet ever, which was always just like, you are you are acting distrustful in front of in front of friend computer. Saying distrustful is distrustful to friend computer. Friend computer noticed you saying distrustful when you pointed out that being distrustful is distrustful. And it's like shut the fuck up. This is you got one joke. Turns out the game has lots of jokes. It turns out it's fine as long as everyone there isn't constantly trying to be like, oh, this is a game of gotcha, and all yeah. we're gonna do is sit here and point at each other. Exactly. So yeah, I now I like paranoia, and this is this is up there in terms of what the. The space it leaves for comedy. Yeah. I like that. Great. So, uh, you want to move on to the best and worst? Let's do it. Great. I've been trusting you to tell me when we recorded enough. Oh, I've... we've recorded enough. Good. John, what's your favorite thing about this game? Uh, I, I mean, I think my favorite thing, as we've gone over, the fact that the knacks in this are just, you make them up. We have some sample joke ideas that you could do, mm-hmm. but... It doesn't matter. If you want to be jokey for your character, you can do it. If you want to ignore that and just be, you know, serious on what you're doing, you can do that. Yeah. I appreciate a game and not trying to make the jokes for me. Yes, absolutely. What is your favorite thing? I like how simple... Actually, I'm going to change this one real quick. I like that the stats have some non-standard stats in them. Okay. Uh, relationship with parents and uh, and cool and so on are great because they really do feel like they encapsulate the teen experience. Yes. And or, having uh, driving be yeah. a stat. Exactly. A game like this, I would normally expect to pretty much have 
I don't know, six very recognizable stats or at least <laughs> very recognizable GURP stats or something like that. And then they just try to cludge those into making sense for teenagers. But here it's purpose driven. These are stats a teenager needs to worry about. And I thought that was clever. Yeah. So that's my favorite thing. Uh, what is your least favorite thing? I mean, there's not a ton that I hate here. God knows the amount of fucking Ronma one half boy girl gender swap stuff is just like. It's too much. There's just too much. It's because they a didn't have refer- a lot. Yeah, yeah, a reference to it would have been fine, but it just shows up enough times that I'm like, yo, my man, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. You don't need to put this much in there. Yeah, so I, I, get, I, I get where you're coming from. Especially, it's weird that that's like the only thing they got from it. Don't half the characters in that also turn into like cuddly, wuddly panda bears yeah, or some shit? Everyone turns into a random thing. So it's like, oh, th- this turns into a big panda or, oh, I turn into an old man or yeah. I turn into a cat or something. It's, it's like, like the only thing they liked was the, the main character turning into a girl. Yeah. Yeah. So the, uh, I, I just it's interesting that they didn't use that much of the of the license. So there you go. Yeah. What is your least favorite thing? I mean, ultimately, I'm pretty much going to agree with you. There's some old-fashioned language in here. I would say maybe the the uh, the part about parents where it's like, hey, look, in order for your character to make sense as a comedy character as a teenager, they need a mom and a dad. You can't do comedy without a mom and a dad. Family starts at home. Yep, that's right. There's never been a comedy where there was a non-standard family unit. <laughs> I, I just found that kind of... And they even go as far as to say, like, even the weirdest alien you possibly play will have a mom and a dad and a little brother. You you have to do that. It's just weird. It's a weird thing to be like, yes, and this is what's going to happen. I mean, if it was a joke in and of itself, like that on a cosmic scale, every every player character automatically, for some reason, has a nuclear family that make that, that's the modern American nuclear family for 1986. Uh, which really should have a lot more like Valium references and stuff in it than being this kind of down-home 50s, your mom's in an apron baking a pie type stuff. Oh. Uh, so I, I, that w- that just wasn't my favorite gag, and it didn't make sense to me. There you go. So there you have it. Would you play this game? Uh, I might give it a chance, you know. You throw it a shot? You, I, wouldn't, you wouldn't kick this out of bed? Yeah, I mean, again, this is this is a game that I'm like, if... Someone wanted to do a one shot or like a convention game. This is something that, especially with the right group of people, that if everyone was into it, you could get some goofity fun stuff out of this. Oh, sure. But I I also think, as is a problem with a lot of comedy games, not just a lot of the things that we've mentioned before, but man, the amount of trust you have to have to make comedy work that I'm like, I would want to only do this with people that I knew and trusted anyway, not because I'm like, ooh, we might get onto topics that are like, I would have Too to... Too sick and twisted. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to, like, use the X card or something. Mm. No, I'm just like, oh, it just wouldn't be funny because yeah. some people's senses of humor don't gel as well. So even though I, I would say, like, oh, I could do a con game of this. I'm like, yeah, I could, but I know I'd get to some con and someone's idea of a good time would not be mine. And yeah. even if it wasn't offensive, I'd still be like, eh. I'm a regular uh, lurker in a something awful thread about fifth edition D&D just because I like to see what's going on with it. Yeah. And my personal favorite aspect of it, even though it's horrible, is rubbernecking when new people show up because they're they've been playing D&D in a vacuum by themselves. Right. Like, yeah, them and their friends have been playing D&D for 
for years, but they've never talked to anyone else about D&D. <laughs> and, and then they stop by the thread and they're like, yeah, me and my friends get into some wacky shit. For example, one time we used an immovable rod and we stuck it up an ogre's butt while he was stuck on the ground and then we turned it on. So he couldn't get up because he had a rod in his butt. And it's great to watch them run into the reality that no one thinks those kinds of rough chuckles are okay. Yeah. Where they just... They always go leave in a huff. Everyone else is like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why are you playing sexual assault the game? That's not what D&D is for. Get the fuck out of here. And they're always like, I'm sorry. I thought this was American D&D where you can do what you want. Me and my friends get into some edgy shit. We're like the Joker. <laughs> and that's why I don't play comedy games The Strangers. Exactly. <laughs> That went somewhere. There was a point to it. There was actually some sort of a point there. <laughs> anyway, I agree with you. Great. <laughs> and anyway, uh, other than that, it's, I think we're probably done, right? Yeah. If you uh, want some more of this, though, by God, we have made teenagers. Mm -hmm. We have each crafted a hand-selected teenager for your enjoyment Ooh, that came out wrong. I'm only nine years away <laughs> from having successfully crafted a teenager. Yeah, but hopefully not for everyone's enjoyment. <laughs> I'm sure she will be a delight. <laughs> An absolute treat to be around. Yeah. that's. I'm assuming that's what you meant. Obviously. <laughs> of course I did. Yeah. <laughs> now... If you head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash systemmastery, you can do several things. One, you can support the show. Mm -hmm. You can make it so we get to keep doing what we're doing because we love making content for you. Yeah. Two, you get bonus content regardless of where you support us at. Any level yeah. gets you a bonus show, and the more you give, the more you get. That's right. There are three tiers of shows that you can get. Even at the simple, basic $2 level, you get the bonus content for this show, where we make characters and discuss further the engine of the game that we uh, just reviewed. But if you go up from there, you can get our Star Wars Expanded Expounded Universe bonus content at the $4 level, and the $10 level, why, that gets you everything. You know, you, you, you're wondering what you get from that level? You get everything. Hey. That's the full service level. You get it all. You get it all. That's the half and half. That's, uh, <laughs> you get the girlfriend experience. <laughs> the GFE. <laughs> At that level, you get our monthly afterthought, and you get our uh, our, our uh, TV mastery, where we're currently doing a very exciting project of very special episodes of, of uh, uh, peak sitcom era television. Yep. It's good times. Uh, but all that is available for you at patreon.com slash system mastery. Stop on by and support us. And if you can't, we get it. Uh, oh, there's also thing three. There's a third thing you get. Yes. That's right. I'm sorry. An I, RSS feed with no ads on it. There it is. We, you get the ad-free version of our shows if Indeed. you're on the Patreon. It is it is a good way to go. I mean, you will still get the, uh, the, the announcement ad, mastery, the announcement but those mastery. are good things for you to yeah. know, unlike the ads, which I assume are bullshit. <laughs> I assume they're horrible and I hate them, but the announcement masteries are us talking, and we're a delight. <laughs> For Full everyone, a treat. <laughs> we are a peach. So that's patreon.com slash sister mastery. If you can't support us that way, there's all other kinds of ways. You can follow us on Twitter. You can like and uh, rate and review our, our shows on anywhere you happen to listen to your podcast. Any, Just tell us we're nice. Yeah, any word any, of any mouth, of anything yeah. helps the show. Send us a pie, you know. Don't send me a pie. <laughs> Don't send John a pie. Don't send me a yes. pie either. I'm, I'm on a really strict diet. Yeah. Nobody gets pies. <laughs> no more pies. You can I've send it up to here with pies. You can send me a garbage bag full of baby carrots. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just you wait. <laughs> Next convention, it's going to be a real problem for me. 
All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you again real soon. And uh, until then, you all have a good one. Design Doc started as a podcast about designing a role-playing game. Over the years, it's turned into so much more. It's a show about the challenges of burnout, making money from creative projects, and what goes into bringing a game to life. Come along with Hannah and Evan in a living documentation of the game design process. One review described it as the audio equivalent of taking a hike with a good friend. You can search for Design Doc on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.